The 12th, Proverbs 12, I chose verse 15. The way of a fool is right in his own eyes, but he who listens to counsel is wise. That's a good one. Today's Mother's Day, and uh, we're going to take a look at a story in the Old Testament in the scriptures about a woman named Hannah in 1 Samuel. And uh, Hannah was unable to be a mother. And she wanted to be a mother in the worst way, and yet she could not conceive. And she had a husband, his name was Elkanah, and he loved her like crazy. He loved her an awful lot. And um, in, their, in their culture, you may know this already, but it was, it was a very shameful thing for a woman not to be able to produce children, especially male children, so that they could carry on the family name for her husband. And uh, in fact, it was such a cultural problem. Um, It was commonly associated with sin. They figured if you couldn't have a child, you must have sin in your life, or maybe not. Maybe it was your parents' sin that causes this problem. And um, thankfully, culture has figured that out, and it's not you know, what we live with here today. But um, there, I, I, I think that probably still today in this room, There are plenty of people here, people, not just women, but people here who have not given birth to that thing that they want to give birth to in their lives. And uh, I think Mother's Day is a great time to reflect about the things that God has put inside of every one of us and uh, the things, those desires that we feel God put inside of us, but we haven't been able to actually see them happen in some real tangible way in our lives. I love this story about Hannah, and uh, today, if you need, to, if you like message titles, the, the message I would use for today would be the frustrations of a fixer. The frustrations, what does that mean? You're going to find out. Now, Elkanah um, had this wife named Hannah, and uh, he, he, she couldn't produce any children. And he had a second wife named Penina. Penina. And uh, so it wasn't uncommon in their culture that um, if you had the means, the, 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 the financial means, and uh, you know, your, your, your wife couldn't produce, it wasn't uncommon to get another one. To maybe you know maybe keep your family name going, so we know that Elkanah must have had some dough, must have had some money um, because it costs a little bit of money to have one wife. I've learned. <laughs> I get these really cool looks from the front row. Um, he had two wives. One who gave him children and one who could not. So let's just word, open up the word of God before I dig any deeper into my hole and read starting 1 Samuel chapter 1, verse 1. Elkanah had two wives. One was called Hannah and the other Penina. Penina had children, but Hannah had none. Year after year, this man went up from his town to worship and sacrifice to the Lord Almighty at Shiloh. Go to verse 4. Whenever the day came for El- Elkanah to sacrifice... He would give portions of, of the meat to his wife Penina and to all her sons and daughters. But to Hannah, he gave her a double portion because he loved her. And the Lord had closed her, her womb. And because the Lord had closed her womb, her rival kept provoking her in order to irritate her. Man, that's low. Verse 7. Then this went on year after year. Whenever Hannah went up to the house of the Lord, her rival provoked her till she wept and would not eat. Elkanah, her husband, would say to her, Hannah, why are you weeping? Why don't you eat? 
Why are you downhearted? Don't I mean more to you than ten sons? The frustrations of a fixer. I mean, they say that men are by nature fixers. I mean, and it's interesting. Sometimes if if you read some of the self-help books that speak about marriage, one of the first things you'll read in there is that women don't always want you to fix their problems. Sometimes they, they want and they need you to, but other times they just, they just want some sympathy. They want you to hear and to understand. They want some empathy. Sometimes it's not always the right thing to try to fix somebody's situation. Sometimes it's better to do something different. Long time ago, I realized that there are some things that I'm just not very good. Terry's not very good at fixing. It wouldn't, you, you, you know, if you ask my family, hey, what's you know, Terry not good at? Well, they'd start a list, but I'll tell you, I'm, I'm certain what they would put on the top of the list is plumbing. Thank you very much. <laughs> plumbing. I mean, I have broken more unbroken faucets and made things that shouldn't be leak leaking. I mean, I just can't. There is just some place in there that I cannot get to. It's like it's too loose and it leaks. That's this part of the spectrum. There's this tiny thing that's the thickness of a human hair where it's just right. And over here, it's so tight, you break the thing off. I'm always on one side or the other. I get so frustrated. I'm getting angry right now talking about it. <laughs> I mean, I've been to the place sometimes where I couldn't fix something and it just frustrated me. I said, well, you know, it's time to sell the house. I can't fix that leak. Sell the house. You know, it's like, you know. <laughs> so what we have in this situation what we have here in this passage is a man who is a fixer by nature. We have Elkanah, and he's frustrated because he can't fix the issue that is the most important to the one that he loves the absolute most. This guy is really frustrated. If you've ever been unable to get through to your child, if you've ever been unable to lift the mood of your husband or your wife, you, you, you know how frustrating it, it is when you can't fix something that's wrong with somebody else and you care about them in the deepest way. Elkanah is frustrated because he can't fix Hannah's problem and Hannah is frustrated dealing with these unfulfilled expectations that she has. They're both frustrated. So today I want to speak to the Elkanahs, the fixers in the room And I really believe that God wants to set you free from something that's holding you back from being or holding you back from doing all that God has called you to do and to be. And maybe you'll get a new way to look at your responsibilities towards those you love, towards the situations that God has called you to have an impact upon. I also want to speak to today to all the Hannahs in the room. Those are frustrated by disappointed expectations, you know. For some of us, no matter how hard the people around us try to help us through our issue, the issue just stays there. I mean, and it's like, it's like your issue is somehow always bigger than the encouragement that the people around you try to give you. So I want to talk today to every frustrated fixer and every broken-hearted Hannah all in the same message. And I think if you, if you, know, you pay close attention, you'll be able to find out that you can probably identify at different times and in different ways with all of them. Um, as a frustrated fixer facing a situation um, outside of your control, doing everything that you know to do, and you're still not making forward traction. And um, you, you may also know what it's like to um, be unhappy when you have so many things going right in your life, but there still is this one thing that outweighs everything good and discourages you. And um, so the frustrations of a fixer, if you relate to Elkanah, 
by the way, men are not the only fixers. It's terrible when no matter how much you pour into someone to make them happy, it just seems to evaporate. You, no matter how much you love them, no matter how much attention you give to them, how much affection you pour out, it just isn't reciprocated. It's just not received. Have you ever felt the trans, you know, the, 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 that frustration of loving somebody as hard as you know how and they weren't able to receive it? You gave them everything you had and just seems to kind of come bouncing back. And, um, you know, you, 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 you're on your way home from work, you're driving home, and you know when you get there that you're going to come to a, a, a spouse who isn't going to be happy, no matter what you've done, no matter how much overtime you've worked, no matter how, you know, the things you try to do, there is something there. And uh, there's nothing more frustrating, especially to, to men who, who are built to be problem solvers, conquerors, victorious, it's really, really frustrating for guys to know that they're doing all these things and they just can't win, to, especially trying to help the one that, they've, that they love the most. Sometimes when my wife Lisa isn't as chipper as I've seen her at other times, I'll say, are you okay? What's wrong? You know? And, and you know, I, I, I'll just assume that I'm just not doing my job right. I'll take it personally that she's not as chipper as I've seen her at some other time. Elkanah is frustrated because he can't fix the woman that he loved. And uh, the Bible says real clearly that he was going way out of his way to, to bless her, to show her, demonstrate his love to her. You know, but it just didn't seem to do any good at all. She's still in bed. She's still got the covers pulled over her head. She's still crying. She's wailing all the time. And it isn't getting any better even though Elkanah gives the very best of himself to her. And that's frustrating. Whether it's your wife or your husband or your kids or your best friend or somebody you wish would love you and they don't love you. It's frustrating when you're giving all that you have to give and it just doesn't seem to be accomplishing much. I'm, I, you know, I'm not much of a plumber, fixer. I'm not, I admit that. But I've given my life to really helping people fix their spiritual problems. And it has at times hit me really hard because I've realized that I can preach the best sermons I know how to preach and pour my heart into ministry like the most I know how to pour my heart into ministry. And still someone could sit under my teaching or in in this ministry, in, in a ministry for year after year after year. And then out of the blue decide one week they're going to leave their family. You know, they ignore everything that they've, they've heard from the pulpit and classes that they've been in, in the songs that they've sung, ignore it all. I mean, there have, there was times when there, you know, I can think of one time when there were two men that made that decision just to leave their family within a couple of weeks of each other. I felt like a failure. I didn't have anything to do with their decisions. I was shocked by it, but I felt like a failure. And that's the essence kind of what, of what Elkanah, his frustrations drove him to. In, in verse 8, he says, Hannah, why are you weeping? Why don't you eat? Why are you downhearted? Don't I mean more to you than 10 sons? And there's something broken in her. But he interprets it as some sort of indictment against him. And we know, when, we know there was nothing wrong with his ability to reproduce. He produced children through Penina. And, and so this situation involves him, but it's not about him. Practical point number one, 
it's not always about you. <laughs> it's not always about you. You know, I, 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 I listen to conversations. We get frustrated, and, and it's not always about us. You know, husbands and wives, they make great examples. You know, why are you happy? I built you this house. I'm doing everything I can to pay the rent on time. I work all this overtime to buy you all these nice things, but it never seems to be enough. And you're frustrated because you're interpreting somebody else's brokenness as an indicator of your failure. Then, where you could take it with that, you start thinking, there's nothing I can do right. You start this cycle of condemnation. You know, Nobody loves me. Nobody cares about me. Nobody appreciates the things I do. You whine like that. You actually sound like that, right? And, <laughs> you know, and you start asking yourself, what can I do to fix this? But the fact is, it's not about you. When you're dealing with people who are broken and hurting, it helps to have compassion for them when you realize that there are broken things, there are broken places in everybody's lives at some point, and those broken things and places pollute our ability sometimes to receive love. They do. They, they, they cloud our ability sometimes to receive love, the hurting. And it's not always about you, Elkanah. I know you're exasperated. I know you're frustrated. I know you're doing all you can. But it's not always about you. Now, I realize sometimes when I ask Lisa, hey, what's wrong? Are you okay? She's just tired. Wives get tired sometimes. <laughs> Mothers get tired. She's just, it's not about me always. Sometimes it's just, she's tired. Elkanah is successful in a lot of ways in his life, apparently. But in his eyes, he keeps coming up short. Why can't I keep you happy? I give you lots of steaks. I bought you this delicious bass. <laughs> but apparently that's not enough for her. <laughs> because all she, you do is you sit around and you cry. Why aren't you happy? And she's saying, it's not about you. I've got another problem. I've got another issue. I've got another worry. No amount of steak, no amount of sausage is going to fix this for me. I want a baby. You, you know, it's not about a person that's disappointing Hannah. It's about a purpose that is unfulfilled in her life and it's hurting her. The sooner you realize about people that many times it's not about you, the sooner that you'll be freed to help them with their problems in ways that are really helpful. And we get, you know, we get enmeshed. Now, that phrase enmeshed is a psychological term and it, you know, I probably overly summarize this, but it basically it speaks about when we when somebody becomes overly identified with the circumstances in someone else's life and you almost try to live in their lives. I mean, we get all wrapped up and it's not our place to be there. You you can't fix somebody else's problem with more steak. You can't. You can't fix somebody, you can't always fix somebody else's problems, their broken heart, with more of you. You can't always do that. Sometimes more of you is not the answer. So for every frustrated fixer, for every Alcana, every enmeshed parent, for every mother of a child that does, you can't seem to get through to, here's something that I really think that the Lord would want to say to you today and to get down into your heart. He wants his job back because he's really better at it than you are. He wants his job back. And the problem with that 
statement just now is that the people that are receiving this message the least are probably the ones that need to hear it the most. I mean, I know I, I share things like this sometimes. You know, people are sitting there thinking, oh, I hope this person next to me is getting this because, you know, they need to hear it. And, you know, she's saying, well, I hope he's there in this or he's, you know. And, you know, they're thinking, I hope she's hearing this. And, <laughs> you know, the one you're thinking, the one you're trying to fix is probably thinking, I wish you'd quit trying to fix me because you can't even, you know, fix yourself. I mean, while we're all trying to fix each other, God's patiently standing in the back and saying, you know, kind of would you get out of the way here and let me do my job? Because I'm the fixer. I'm the only one capable of putting back together the pieces of a fractured heart. You can't do it. I worked for somebody one time in my life um, I'll tell you this, if you think, you know, those of you who know me and you know my history, you might be able to figure out who this is. You'll be wrong. You don't know this person. But I worked for somebody at one point in my life who was um, a, a type A more than me, which is impossible if you know me very well. It's pretty type A. And he, um, very demanding. And I have, you know, I'm, I guess I'm kind of a loyal dog. I guess that's one way of describing me. I really, really value loyalty. I really, really value integrity. But loyalty is a big deal. And I try to be really loyal. And so I, I, I would do whatever I could do to make this person happy. I mean, I, I, mean, I really, everything. I'm loyal. This person, I got to do it. And loyal, push, and th- so forth. And over a long period of time, measured in years, I, I realized that, that you know this person just was regularly unhappy. I don't know how else to phrase that, but consistently, no matter what I did, no matter how I did it, and I I finally, in a moment of private and personal exasperation, said, I can't make this person happy. I was complaining, but I was literally speaking something that was profoundly true. I can't. I can't make this person happy. I can't make this person happy. I can't make this person, I can't make this, I can't make this person happy. I can't make this person happy. And I realized if I can't make this person happy, I got to come to terms with that. And so does he. And so I remember at one point mustering up some courage because this person held my career future right there. And, um, Speaking truth to power is a challenging thing to do sometimes. But, you know, if you're going to have courage, you've got to do that sometimes. And so and with all of the respect and love that I could muster, without, you know, invoking and thumping Bibles, which would have been completely inappropriate, I just said, you know, I've thought things through. I'm submitted to you. I will do the things you tell me to do as best as I can. I will try to anticipate the things you want me to do before you think of them yourself. I will be the best person on your team that you have ever had in every way. But I've concluded something. Two things. I can't keep you happy, and it's not my role to keep you happy. There's something in here in you that you have to settle somewhere else with somebody else that I can't do for you. I didn't get fired. It was amazing. It's amazing when you decide to lovingly speak the truth, 
how God will honor that in your circumstance. It might blow up in your face, but I promise you, when you do what the Lord tells you to do by way of integrity and love, he'll guide you. He will guide you. So I know, you know, my relationship with that person got better. But here's what happened here. My mood changed. I became calmer. I had more peace. I actually became a better employee because I was fretting less about what I saw I was failing at. And I was able to put my attention on becoming a better man, a better employee, a better whatever I was supposed to be. I changed when I realized I, it wasn't my role to make him happy. And God will set you free from this if you'll only listen to him when he tells you it's not your role to be their hope. God's saying that's my role. It's your role to walk with them through the pain and to love them. When you let God do his role and you do yours, it doesn't mean that you care less. It means you trust God enough to know that there are some things that only he can do that only he can touch. There are some needs that only he can fill. So for every man who's frustrated trying to make your wife happy and you seem to go nowhere, and for every woman trying to make your man feel successful, but for some reason he keeps talking like a loser, and for every child who tries to make your parents proud and they just won't give you those words of affirmation, and for every parent who tries to get your kids to listen because you have true wisdom that will keep them out of trouble and they just won't seem to listen to you there are some situations that are too deep for you to touch no matter how much you care and God has to be the one that you trust in those moments and in behalf of all the Elkanas in the room that would like to say something to the Hannahs of their life I think they would say I love you but I can't complete you. I want to be good to you, but I can't be God for you. It doesn't mean I don't care. doesn't mean I'll stop trying. doesn't mean I'll stop praying. I love you as much as I've ever loved you. And, you know, there's a concept that really makes for great chick movies. This idea that romantically, oh, you complete me. But that's one of the most destructive concepts that comes through the movies because only God can really complete any one of us. Psalm 139.1 says, Oh Lord, you have searched me thoroughly and have known me. I think today that the Lord's intention is to save some marriages in this room. I think this, his intention is to save some parental, some relationships between parents and children and vice versa, because there are some exasperated Elkanas hearing the voice of the Lord saying, you got to release yourself. you got to relieve yourself of handling my responsibilities because, you know, Terry, you are operating way outside your pay grade. There are some things that only God can touch. Then there's Hannah. And we can relate to Hannah, too, in a number of ways. No matter, you know, how much God seems to do for me, there are some things I see God doing for other people that haven't happened here yet. Something that I'm hoping for, something I'm waiting for, something that he's done for somebody else 
And I'm waiting him now, for him now to accomplish that in my life. And maybe it's a broken heart and it's a dream of some kind. It's a hope of some kind. And then, and then sometimes I actually, you know, then I start, then I can get mad at myself because here I am looking at the way the Lord has blessed me in my life in a lot of ways. There are lots of things I can see in my life that he's blessed me. And I should be happier than I am. I should be more grateful than I am. And I get mad at myself because my heart's not right. And so you know, that makes me unhappier. So I was unhappy. Now I look at myself and now it makes me un- more unhappy. That makes sense? Here's what I've learned about being Hannah. You can ruin some perfectly good relationships with people when you try to expect anybody to do for you what only God can do. When somebody's brokenhearted, no amount of human encouragement is going to fix that. God has to get in there because our broken hearts leak. You know, you picture a heart being broken. You can pour stuff in there, but it just kind of filters out the bottom. They can't contain it. They're just not in a place to receive it. No matter how much meat Elkanah gave Hannah, it did not fix her heart. It just wouldn't help. And at some level, we all have, at some point, Hannah's broken heart. I mean, we, we live under the illusion that if I could just get the person that I love to say the words that I think I need to hear, my heart will be fixed. But you won't. You know, it's kind of like, you know, they tell you if you go out into the ocean, you know, you go fishing in a boat and you forget to bring your water. They say, don't drink the ocean water. It will just make you more thirsty. Nobody here has ever done that. It will just make you more thirsty. It's like you wouldn't tell an alcoholic just to have a little bit and they'll be fine because they won't stop drinking. They won't stop drinking it. You know, if you're addicted to the affirmation that comes from other people, the solution isn't to just get enough to tide you over. The solution is to find a source of affirmation that will quench your thirst to find water to drink from which will n- you'll never thirst again. I'm, I brought some things here today. A couple of... Um, I brought a mallet. You never know when you need a mallet. And a bottle of sparkling clear water in a glass bottle. These are two different objects with two different purposes and capabilities. And if I take this guy and put it in my other hand because I'm right-handed, I can use it to pound a stake into the earth, you know, to help me with my yard project because it helps me line up the string where I can get my rocks all lined up, right? You know, and you, you know, your mallet's really good for something like that. And after I do that, you know, I need something, and it's in this bottle, and I can open this up and have a nice, cool, refreshing drink of sparkling clear water. It's doing a great job because it's doing what it was designed to do. But if I try to take a drink after that work from this mallet, I'm going to come away frustrated. (laughs) And if I try to use this to drive the stake into the ground, it's just going to break into 43 pieces, right? It'll just break the bottle. How profound was that? But what we do with human relationships is exactly that. We affix to them a purpose for which they were never intended or designed. For example, God sends a person into your life, a son or a daughter or a spouse or an employee or your boss, a friend, 
and they're intended to be in your life for something very specific, and that's a good thing. And when they're involved in your lives in the way that they were intended, it's a good thing. But instead, we'll try to push them into a purpose that God never intended for them, and we'll use them to drive down a stake of our identity or of affirmation, we pound them down, or of our security, or our happiness, we use them and we pound them. And guess what happens when we do? Not only do we fail to drive the stake into the ground, but we break the person and the relationship into 47 pieces. We do. Some of us hearing this message have broken dozens of people, or maybe more, in relationships by trying to hammer them into something in our relationship for us that they were never intended to be. And, and the reason is because we've never settled the issue within our own hearts that people were not intended to fulfill us or to complete us. People were not intended to touch a place that only God could get to. So we look around sometimes and we say to people, can't you perceive my needs before I do? You know, we're pounding, we're pounding, we're pounding. And then we're surprised when the relationship breaks. We try to turn a good thing into a God thing. We try to turn human encouragement into heavenly affirmation. And that just doesn't work. But God does. Psalm 34, 18 says this, the Lord is near to the brokenhearted and saves those who are crushed in spirit. 147.3, he heals the brokenhearted and binds up the word. The Lord is near. He heals. Hannah, you've got to bring this one to God. You've got to bring this one to the only fixer who can put it back together. Otherwise, you're going to wear yourself out and everybody around you. And Hannah was one smart woman. She, She figures this out. If you read on, you'll find out she goes to God for help. She goes to church. She prays. She seeks. She presses towards the Lord. She doesn't run from him. She goes closer. And then she later declares, things work out well for her. And she, she declares in 1 Samuel 2, verse 2, there is no one holy like the Lord. There is no one besides you. There is no rock like our God. Psalm 62, 2. I picked this to read here because she's, it says, he alone is my rock. Same word Hannah used. And my salvation, he is my fortress. I will never be shaken. That word rock is the same in those two. And uh, it's, you know, it could be translated cliff. But what it really means is a safe place that is so safe that your enemy can't get to you. You are absolutely safe from harm. Absolutely safe from injury. Absolutely safe from, from anything that can hurt you. And I've got some good news for you. When Jesus hung on the cross, he fixed the things you face. He literally fixed the things in the deepest place and in the most permanent ways. It's not broken. It's not going to be empty anymore. He's going to fill it all. Today, I know there are people that are tired of the frustrations of being a fixer. You haven't been able to fix it. You've only made it worse. And their only real solution is to surrender it back to God. You know, um, some of you exasperated Alcanas need to have a very simple chat with somebody today and uh, you need to pull them aside lovingly and say, I love you, but I can't complete you. I've been trying to do God's deal here 
And I need to trust God to do what only he can do. I love you, and I'll stand by you, and I'll walk with you, but I'm no longer going to try to be responsible for God's role in this whole thing. And some of you broken-hearted Hannahs need to have a conversation with somebody you love, too. And maybe it needs to be some kind of a reverse gift on Mother's Day. And, and you have to say, I no longer am going to re- hold you responsible for the brokenness in my life. I've been frustrated with you because of something that's broken in me. Now, maybe you fear that if you say that to the person, they'll stop trying. The truth is, when they know they love you, they've already made that clear to you. They've been trying. And, you know, you you don't really want them to fix it anyway, any more than you want me to come to your house and work on your plumbing. You really don't want someone. They have no hope of helping you. You want God to get in there. He's better at it, and that's his role. Some of you Hannahs need to go to somebody and say, I've been putting weight on you that should have never been sitting on your shoulders in the first place. And I'm going to try and give that to God, and I'm going to try and lean into God. The beautiful thing about all this is that when I learn that I'm not truly the fixer, I can then become an effective instrument of healing that the Lord can really use through as a vessel. When I stop trying to bring people into my life to fix the things that, I've, that I heard over, I can actually receive what they do have to give and I'm can, I can stop being frustrated by what they don't have to give. So here's what I want to do. I want to pray. This is going to be really a short prayer, a really short prayer, and then I've got another comment or two. Jesus, you are the fixer. Only you can fix the broken heart. Only you, God, can fill these needs. Please step in, Lord. You know us. The word says that you thoroughly know our hearts. Please step in as we step out of our way. Here's the cool thing, church. Eventually, Hannah got the baby that she was praying for. And um, when she got her baby, she had made a promise to God. So she went and she dedicated Samuel to the Lord, who had actually given it, her this baby to begin with, you know, got, came from God. But the impressive thing to me isn't that she dedicated Samuel to the Lord. She dedicated, she dedicated Samuel after the Lord gave her Samuel. What's impressive to me is that she dedicated her situation to the Lord way in advance before she ever saw any proof that God was going to answer her prayer. That's impressive. That's really the truest test of, of answer to the question, do you trust God? It really is. You know, it's, it's you know, do you get trust only after you see something? What about trusting God even if he never does answer your prayer? Even if you never see him do the things you think he'll do? The question, do you trust God is measured by the second, not the first. Are you going to simply be okay because you found peace with God or do you have to have some sort of proof first? That's the answer to the question, do you really trust the Lord? I think, um, I don't want to be overly dramatic about this, but I, I know that there are people in this room that are, that are frustrated about relationships and this, these issues. You're either Elkanah 
or Hannah to somebody somewhere. I want to go back into prayer. So would you close your eyes again? And uh, this one's going to be short too. And I, I just really believe the Lord wants to step in if we'll let him step into places to heal us in our own hearts if we'll let him and step in and take weight off of us that doesn't belong on our shoulders if we'll let him. If you're ready today because you would say, yeah, I'm kind of Elkanah, I'm exasperated, or I'm Hannah and I'm brokenhearted, and you're ready to give that to God to adjust your expectations on the people around you, while we have our eyes closed, just with your hands in your lap, privately, just hold your hands before you and hold them open, facing up. And then just, would you pray with me? I just ask church for you to pray out loud these words. Lord, I give it back. Let's do that over again. Lord, I give it back. Please fix it. I give it back to you. And before you fix it, would you also fix me? That's good. Heavenly Father, I call on you to meet the needs that we have like only you can. Lord, would you heal our hearts like only you can. I release those expectations, Lord, into your capable hands. And Lord, I I just also ask you to help me not to place on others the responsibility to fulfill my needs. I look to you, Lord, just like you have always, always planned. And I thank you for answering prayer in Jesus' name. Amen.